Welcome to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons with Pastor Farrell Wilson. Brother Wilson is the pastor of the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. The sermon you are about to hear can also be downloaded at www.grenadachurch.com. We know you are going to be blessed. Now, on to the message. 1 Kings 19 and verse 19. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was playing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle to the ground. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them, and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen, and gave unto the people, and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. And for the few moments together we have today, Lord, to break the bread of life, we pray, Lord, that our minds would be focused, not interrupted on the things of the world. I pray we can leave that outside the door just for a few minutes and concentrate on your word. And Lord, your words are life to us to give us spiritual food for this journey. And we'll be careful to give you honor and praise. And we ask it in Jesus' name for your blessings. And we say amen. In Israel, it was tough times. Um, Elijah had appeared on the scene. In fact, he was called Elijah the Tishbite. And he had just had a great victory over the prophets of Baal. And then he had some uh, problems where he ran from Jezebel. And there was also there was a drought coming to an end for three and a half years. It had been a drought in Israel for quite some time, but they'd just come to an end. And the great prophet Elijah, he was on the run. And if you read right before that, you may be familiar with the passage where he heard the still, small voice of God. Very important part of the Bible. And... Things are about to change. The rain has begun and God has told Elijah, you're going to pass your anointing, your, your office of prophet on to another person. And he gave him the name and said it would be a man named Elisha. And Elijah had heard from the Lord. Jehovah told Elijah to go anoint Elisha as his replacement. Now, as I preach this, if I get them names mixed up, don't be too hard on me. It's very easy. Elijah and Elisha, so... Go a little easy on me. But this account of Elisha receiving the call of God is a picture of Jesus calling every Christian to salvation. Now, rightfully so, it's used many times about the calling that God may have on a person's life for ministry, and that's right. But as I read this passage, really it's a calling for everybody. It's for every Christian. And in fact, the name of Elisha means God is salvation. This is a picture of Christ calling certain people out to bring them into his kingdom. So we see Elisha, he's in everyday life, plowing a field. In fact, he looks like he has a pretty good herd of oxen. And as he's plowing the fields and he's preparing them for the long drought that has been broken, and the idea here is it's the same of Jesus looking for everyday people to invite to his kingdom. Uh, there was a prophet school not far from this place, the, in this part we're reading in the Bible. But God saw it fit to go find a plowboy. That's the person he called. He could have went to that school of prophets where people were being educated and knew the law inside and out. But yet he goes and finds a plowboy. 
if you think about that, think of 1 Corinthians 1 and 26 where it says, For you see your calling, brethren, have not many wise men after the flesh been called, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You see, God doesn't call kings and queens. Why? Because when you're called to be even just a Christian, it costs you some things in this life. And I don't mean that in a bad sense. I mean that in a good sense, that God is going to change everything about your life. And it's going to cost you some things. You're going to have to leave some things behind. But isn't it wonderful to know that the, the creator of the universe has come and found you? He was the one that said, I want you to come out and be part of what I'm doing. I get aggravated at the modern church where they limit the calling to the pulpit or maybe some people helping out in the church. The calling of God, when we read this without repentance, it's all of you. It's me, it's you, it's every Christian. We all have a duty and a part in this walk with God and His kingdom to be part of it before the rapture of the church. But see, many kings or queens can't come in. A lot of people that are rich can't come in because they cannot let go of the world. One thing you have to understand about Christianity, it may not be as simple as many people say. Yeah, it's simple to get saved. But it's a whole other story to come out of the world. It's a whole other story to leave all those things behind you found so dear in your life. And But what's amazing is, is this journey begins with the Lord. You find out those things don't mean near as much as you thought they did. Amen? You have to let go of the world. So Elijah passes by Elisha and he casts his mantle to the ground. I don't know if I have that thing still up here. My wife may have took it. Um, no, she didn't. She put it right here for me. Now, in the modern day church world, when they do these anointing services over ministers, I've been ordained and was in one of those church services where they... Pass the mantle on to you. They have some kind of, it's not a pretty cloth here, but it's the best I had at the moment. But it, you'll see the church services, well, they'll pass the mantle on to the next generation. Well, back then, a mantle was not a piece of cloth like this. In fact, it was a piece of animal skin. And more than likely, it had goat hair on it. It was a piece of goat skin. And he cast this before Elijah, signifying that God has called you to be a prophet. But the point is not so much the material, but the sign of calling. Elijah was passing his office of prophet on to Elisha. And to me, it's, again, one of the greatest mistakes the modern church can make is just limiting that to just one specific office, a prophet or an evangelist or an apostle. I think we do a great harm to the church because... Think of it spiritually. When God called you to be a Christian, He cast a mantle before you, spiritually speaking, in asking you to pick it up. It takes the whole church to operate. Amen? It takes every single one of us. You cannot do this by yourself. If you're a child of God, Jesus has cast the mantle at your feet to carry this gospel into the world. It is all of our responsibilities, not just the preacher, not just the evangelist, uh, leaders in the church spend far too much time trying to qualify people. Amen. Well, Brother Wilson's got a three-piece suit on. I think he would do pretty good as a pastor. I wonder if they'd have said that about me when I showed up at the church with the ACDC t-shirt on and tore up jeans and smoking. No, they wouldn't say that. 
fact, I had one pastor trying to help me out, and I come to him. I said, I, I felt the call of God on my life. A lot of, had been changing, and he was going to try to help me out. And he was having me do little things like say prayer during offering, things like that, and help take up offering. And some in the church had a hissy fit. I'm talking about a royal one. And went to the pastor, don't you let him take up offering. But they did not understand that God does the calling. And when God casts the mantle at your feet, nobody in this world can do a single thing about it. Nobody can take that calling away from you. You can lose a lot of things in this life, but there's one thing you can't lose if you'll stay behind that plow, spiritually speaking. If you won't quit, you can never lose your salvation. Now, you notice the qualifying there. I didn't say you can go live like the village idiot and do anything you want. Yeah, I'm a little rougher preaching. It's okay. But you can't go live like the village idiot and do anything you want think you're going to make it to heaven. That's not the way it works. But it doesn't speak of perfection either. But again, nobody can take that away from you. If you've um, gained your salvation through Jesus Christ, don't worry about the people trying to qualify you. And, and if you do get a call from God, if you do have that laid up on your life as far as ministry and the fivefold calling of ministry, don't worry about what people think. You follow God, and I promise you, He will open up all the doors you need. I am a living testimony to that, that nobody can stop me if God says, go forward. The only person that can stop me is myself. I'm the one that lays down and quits. Then what can God do about that if you just quit on him? Louis Palua, the great Argentine evangelist, he told this story of a woman in Peru whose life was radically changed by the power of the cross. Her name was Rosario and she was a very brutal terrorist. This evil woman was an expert in several martial arts. I'll tell you how bad she was. She killed 12 policemen with martial arts. That's how dangerous she was. She's a very dangerous lady. And Lewis, he was conducting a, a crusade in Lima, and she heard about the crusade happening. She became enraged about this message that Lewis was bringing. And Rosario made her way to the stadium to kill this evangelist. And in the stadium, as Rosario contemplated on how to kill Lewis, she began to listen to the message he was preaching. He was preaching on hell, and she fell up under conviction. She fell up under such great conviction, she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior when she was up there to kill the evangelist. Now watch this. Ten years later, Lewis didn't know about any of this at the time. Ten years later, he finds this out. He met this lady for the first time a decade later. And by then, she had assisted in planning five churches. Rosario was a very vibrant, active witness and worker in the church. She also went on to found an orphanage that housed over 1,000 children. So when God cast the mantle at your feet, pick it up and run with it. Amen? In verse 20, Elisha left his plow and told Elijah, let me go back and kiss my father and mother goodbye. And when Elisha saw the opportunity, he reacted. When he seen that mantle, he reacted. He didn't wait. When God says, move church, it's time to move. You've got the mandate from Jesus Christ. Well, I hadn't heard God say move. Yeah, he told you in the New Testament. 
He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And there are plenty of creatures out there. Plenty. They need to hear the gospel. There's your mandate to move. Now, God's going to speak to you at other times, certainly. But we already have the mandate to move and go out in this world. And we got a church as a whole that is stagnant and doing very little for the work of God. I know there are some pockets. I know we do what we can here. Uh, but you would be shocked at how many churches could care less about what happens out of their doors going into the world. That's sad. When a church quits caring about the world and spreading the gospel, they're no longer a church. I remember a um, Baptist fellow that worked with me, very likable fellow, and he had saw me before and after salvation. He asked me one day, said, do y'all serve beer at y'all's church picnics? No. <laughs> he said, well, I, man, I went to our church picnic and they set coolers out. I hadn't been to a church function up there with this one time and they started breaking out bud lights and handing them out. And then I'd, I'd attended church there and I almost felt like that the, the church, it was nice, beautiful, had plenty of money. But I felt almost like they brought themselves into a really nice place and built up a wall for nobody else to come into. God forbid the church ever get to that point that we don't care about lost souls. That great day is approaching. And God is going to move up on this earth one more time. You're going to see a revival like you've never seen it. Probably will not be what we've seen in the past that we do it under good times of money and great opportunities out in the United States. It may very well come up under a time of uh, persecution. It may even be, we may not even be able to meet in uh, church buildings anymore. It may be house to house. It may be door to door. That's where the first church started out. Uh, it very well may be. I don't know. I haven't got any insight from the Lord. But I, as I read the Bible and it says times are going to wax worse and worse. Persecution is coming to the church once again. It's already started. But that great day is approaching. Whatever happens, whatever you believe, how it'll happen, that's okay. But let's agree that it's going to happen. God's going to move one more time. And we better be ready. Once again, thank you for listening to Power of the Cross Radio Sermons. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Now, we ask you to help us keep bringing great Pentecostal messages to the world. Join us in our effort to reach the lost by supporting this ministry with a generous offering. We cannot do this unless people just like you give to help cover the costs. On the homepage at www.cross.radio, click on how you can help. There you can give by credit card, debit card, or e-check. Let the Lord bless you and use you in your giving. Now, back to the message. Already be thinking about who we can witness this gospel to. If you're a Christian, this mandate to witness the gospel is the most important thing in your life. Nothing takes precedence over it. Nothing. Now, you may do that in your life. You may set your family and your things of this earth and maybe even church service. I don't know. You may set things there that and call them the most important. But really, when you think about it, and as I read this Bible, the most important mission we have as a Christian is to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you're here to do. That's what you were made for. That's what God has you here this morning for, is to hear that. If you're listening by radio and you're saved, that is your mission. 
If you're not saved, you need to get saved, accept Christ and become part of that team. You need to be part of that army to, to witness this gospel. Is keeping the doors open important in this church? You know, there's so many churches that quit doing Sunday nights. They quit doing Wednesday nights because nobody will come. So is it really important enough to keep it open? You even got Church of God ministers now saying, no, it's not important enough. But it wasn't that long ago. Just uh, Maybe y'all can correct me. Is it Wednesday or Sunday night? I can't remember. A little girl showed up we knew. I won't say her name. And it was obvious there was things going on in her life that were not where they need to be. And that night I gave a, a call for things to be straightened out in people's life. I didn't hone in on her. And I noticed her hand go up while every head was bowed. And she'd come up to me afterwards and told me how much that sermon had spoke to her. And she'd come in and cut off shorts, a little bit of a top there, tattooed up and down. We found out later she's heavily involved in Wiccan and witchcraft. And she come up to me crying as the power of God had hit her. So you tell me, is it worth keeping the doors open for that one soul? You know, she may go back to her old ways, I don't know. But to me, that one soul, even if I got to plant that seed, and even if it's later in life, she turns around, was it worth keeping the doors open? You bet you it was worth it. Because I would like to be there that day we're gathered around the throne and she comes up to me and say, thank God. Thank God I come over there on that Sunday night and heard you. Thank God you had that door open because if it hadn't been, hell would have been my abode. Are you available? Spiritually speaking, is your door open to talk to people? What about your wallet? If you're not giving to the work of God, what reason does God have to bless you? If you're not giving to the work of God, you're tithe and what you're supposed to be doing, what reason does God have to bless you? He has none. You know why God blesses us? So we can support the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just the lighthouse. There are other mission fields I think that all of us should be involved in in some degree. If it's not but taking 12 or $15 and buying one of those expositor New Testaments so they can send to a prison or they can send to an evangelist that is out in the mission field, I believe they're sending in Peru. They just got through delivering some odd 15,000 Bibles. They are secretly pushing... Uh, uh, they quit talking about it so much, they're raising the money, but they don't say much about it anymore because they figured out the Chinese government is watching, but they're secretly bringing pallet loads of Bibles into China where right now, as we speak right now, they still have a house church under arrest for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's very important that we continue the work of God because there's souls out there that need to hear us and the gospel can only go as far as the dollar bill will carry it. And that's just the fact of it. Prices keep going up, but I do know this. As we give to the work of God, He'll bless us and He'll keep pouring it out on us. This church will not fail. It's not going down. I don't really particularly mean the lighthouse. I know we'll have a platform to speak from if we preach the truth. But the church as a whole, Jesus Christ said that that church was built on the rock, meaning him, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Period. The devil is already lost. So if you think the church is going down, pick up your Bible and read it. 
It may, what's that song Ricky used to sing? Oh, ship is on. It may look like it's down in the water and the flaps are torn. I feel like it. My flaps are torn and the rudder ain't exactly going right. May need some patchwork. May need a little bit of fixing up in the house. But it's not going down. It's not going to sink. It's not going anywhere. You're part of the biggest winning team there's ever been in history. Hallelujah. Elijah says something that may seem a little odd. But not really when you study it. When Elijah says, he, I need to go back. He picks up his mouth and said, I'm going to go back and kiss my mother and father. Elijah says something that's kind of odd to me. But the more you study it, it makes sense. Go back again for what have I done to you? That was his response. When Elijah says, I want to go back and kiss my mother and father, Elijah says, well, go back. I ain't done anything to you. I can't stop you. Go ahead. Here's the idea. Remember that mantle I just cast at your feet. Go back to your mother and father, but don't forget that God has called you to something. The idea is don't forget the call, Dakota. That's the idea. Don't forget it. Jesus posed a very similar statement in Luke 9, and fit, starting in verse 59. This is what he said. He said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, listen, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus was not demeaning family. Jesus would not tell you not to go to a funeral. That's not the idea. He wouldn't tell you not to go back home, but this is the idea. Jesus had much more insight than me and you. We know that. That's a given. So he knew what was going to happen to these men if they went back home. He knew if they went back home, they would never come back and finish the task at hand. So be careful with family and friends. Again, I want to say this before I go any further. Jesus was not demeaning relationships with family. That's not the idea. Has nothing to do with the time you spend with the Lord at church or whatever. It, it has to do with don't forget what God has called you to do. Because if you're not careful... If you're not careful, if their life leads you away from the Lord, you'll follow, I mean, you'll follow right in it. I've seen it too many times. I remember in the in-laws, I'll leave it at that, pulled up one time, and I made the mistake of getting in the car with him. And when I looked down in the floorboard, he had the whole kit to cook meth with. And the first place he stopped, and I'm going to tell you where I was at. I was out in the middle between Charleston and Oakland. And when he stopped, I got out and took out walking. I said, where are you going? I said, anywhere but around you. There comes a point when people are doing wrong, friends and family. It, you know, you may have to go back and say bye, but don't forget that God has called you. If they want to go on that journey with you, fine. That's great. Wonderful. Let it be, it's much better for a family to be together that are like-minded and not unequally yoked. That's great. But I'm for, I have first-hand knowledge. I know what happens in the long run if you hang around bad friends. I've been blessed for the family that is surrounding me. My wife, when I told her I got called into ministry, I just thought she was going to be rejoicing. And I said, I'm going to tell you, I, I feel like God has put a call upon my life. 
And boy, a stunned look come over her face. I thought she was going to be rejoicing. And this is what she told me. If I wanted to be with a preacher, I would have married a preacher. She got up and walked out. And I said, Lord, have mercy. Well, anyway, long story short, you see, she's still here. So I've been, when I say I've been blessed, I have been blessed for the most part. But I know some that have made bad choices. I don't say this to chastise you. I don't say anything to make you feel bad from the pulpit. I'm sharing with you things I have learned in my walk with the Lord. Don't let friends or family let you make the wrong choices. But then again, there's nothing within that. There's demeaning family relationships. At the outbreak of the Civil War, there was a former Tennessee uh, farmer that couldn't decide who to support, you know, either the North or the South. And he had friends on both sides. So he decided, the bright idea he got to stay completely neutral. So he got him a gray Confederate jacket, and he got him some Union blue pants, and that's what he wore. So he was trying to stay neutral. And one day this man was caught in the crossfire of a battle going on between the troops. And he stood up and yelled, I'm neutral. And as soon as he yelled that, got that attention turned towards him, the Union sharpshooters saw that Confederate gray and they filled that shirt full of bullets. The Confederate soldiers saw the blue pants and they riddled them pants with lead. So the point is you can't serve two masters. You can't, you can't sit at the table with the devil and the uh, table with the Lord. It just doesn't work. There's always that spiritual pull. You'll never have peace in your soul. Verse 21, i got to hurry. Elisha left and took his oxen with him. He killed them and boiled them over with a fire he had made with the wood from his plow. I'm finally getting to the part about burning bridges. So here, the sermon title, Burn the Bridges, now I'm going to get to it. He gave the meat to the people after he cooked all his oxen. They ate it. And then he left with Elijah to become his assistant. Elisha burned what he owned to follow Elijah. He did this to show he was never going back to that old life. When salvation occurs, we have to leave that former life behind. Every bridge you cross going to Jesus Christ, whatever it is in your life, you have to burn that bridge behind you. You have to. If you don't burn that bridge... You're just leaving an opening for either the enemy or yourself to cross spiritually back into that. You have to do that. There's the bridge of drugs. When, when you come to Jesus Christ and he delivers you from the, the, the bondage of drugs, you've got to burn that bridge down so you don't go back in it, spiritually speaking. You can't keep walking past that bridge at nighttime and playing with dope a little bit and then going back to Jesus. It won't work that way. What will happen to you is you'll cross back over that bridge to where the devil is, and then you'll find yourself separated from the things of God. You can't cross that bridge of lust and think you can keep crossing it back and forth. All you have to do is pick up the newspaper and watch the damage it's doing to the church. Every time I turn around now, there is some minister somewhere involved, and in my day it was called hanky-panky. What the old people called it hanky-panky. And meaning, I got to tell on Glenn. Me and him, me and him were, set, me and him were sitting at, at the desk back here doing some things. We had a long night of financial stuff. and We had heard about an issue come up with a preacher had ran off with a church clerk. I mean, that story's been told a million times. And I looked at him, I said, there's one good thing about you being a church clerk. 
said, what's that? We'll never run off together. He looks at me and goes, well, I would hope not. <laughs> when you cross that bridge, you have to let it burn behind you. If you don't, the enemy will come on that bridge with you and pull you back. You know something the Bible tells us that we're crucified with Christ. Have you ever noticed that on the cross when Jesus hung there? If you're hanging on that cross, you're not looking back. If you're on that cross, you're always looking forward. You can't look back. And you know, when you burn the bridges that leave that opening evil to your life, Used to, we think what the devil has when we're unsaved, we think that little bitty area that we were in and we were having so much fun with the dope and carousing and running around, we think that was so great. We do, every one of us. We probably all of us have been there. We thought that was so wonderful. But as you cross that bridge that leads to life, when you go through that door that leads to life and light, and you find this big open expanse that never ends and there's so many riches to be enjoyed with God and why would we want to do that alone why wouldn't we want to invite other people in with us why wouldn't we want to fill this place well you can't fill it up but still yet why don't we be part of that in Revelation where it says that there was a number that no man could number that stood before the throne of God and began to praise the Lamb forever amen would y'all stand with me this morning whoo hallelujah Lord, we love you, and I thank you for this morning, Lord. And God, I, don't, I have felt this burden for weeks now as we go across the radio that there's people listening that are not saved, Lord, and they need to make that decision for Christ. And if you're listening today and that's you, we have this simple prayer here. And it's called the sinner's prayer. No, you won't find it in the Bible, but it's certainly a biblical concept that we say this simple prayer it leads us into that direction of salvation. It's up to you to make that choice in your heart. And it goes like this. Father, forgive me for the way I've lived, the things I've done. I'm asking you to please forgive me. I accept Jesus Christ, your Son, as my Savior. I believe He died and arose the third day and is now at your right hand. And your Word says that if I would believe upon Him and accept Him into my heart and life as Savior and Lord, that I would be saved. And if you pray that simple prayer, it's just a starting point. I know that God answers even the simple prayer of help. And as you accept Christ as your Savior day by day, week by week, month by month, I know that our Lord is faithful and will lead you and guide you into His ways. Start reading your Bible a little bit every day. If you don't have one, email me at info at cross.radio. I'll be glad to send you one. And tell us of your testimony of what's happened and how you have accepted Christ into your life. Father, be with these people as they go out the door. We love them and appreciate them. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. This brings us to the end of this sermon. Don't forget to help us in our effort to bring the message of the cross to the world. We need your prayers and financial gifts to make that happen. Also, be sure to check out our website schedule and prayer wall at www.cross.radio. Power of the Cross Radio streams great Christian music and sermons all day, every day. Again, thank you for joining us today and may God bless you and keep you. 
Power of the Cross Radio is a production of Cross Faith Ministries. Visit them on the web at www.cfministry.com.